0: Hi everybody, and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. So we're lifting the lid in January, and this morning uh, I spoke about how God he uh, wants us to. Uh, he wants us to understand how that we we need to uh, worship Him. To speak of a, a, to sing. When you sing and worship God, you um, you you literally declare your your faith and your praise in Him without any without any doubt, with any compromise. There's no debate in worship. Um, yeah. The the worship. Says it as it is and doesn't debate with your mind and it just lifts you into a greater place. It expands your spirit and uh, we read in Isaiah 54 um, and um, I'm reading the um, NLT version. I don't think I mentioned that uh, this morning um, for the computer at the back. Um, Isaiah 54 says this Sing, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, and spare no expense, for you are soon bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and will resettle the ruined cities. And this morning I spoke about how, when you worship and as you praise, it changes your perspective of how you see life. You know, um, one of the things that I've noticed um, in our, our church is that um, there is a there is great faith in our church to believe. ...for things that we haven't done before, just for the impossible. That, that we've, We started, we came up here, as I say, in 95 and we just believed for the impossible. I remember walking up Union Street and, and prophesying that we would buy a building in Union Street or just off Union Street. We just spoke over the buildings and, and prophesied. And of course, God hears the prayer, but what we were praying... Was impossible. It, it was just one of those circumstances and, and situations that that we didn't know how they could happen. It, it didn't work out. It didn't calculate. You couldn't work it through in your mind. But but God just—he can do the impossible. He can—he can do the things in your life that you can't work out. Yeah. Yeah. When um when we had our New Year's Eve um party at our house. For, for those who don't know, we, we, we had New Year's, normally we'd have New Year uh, party here uh, in the church, but um, with the way the year was working, with Sunday being the first, and and we really didn't want to miss, with Sunday, but we don't do a Christmas Day service, um, and New Year's Day is obviously going to be a Sunday as well, Christmas Day, and New Year's Day, and that kind of ruins, you know, it'd take two weeks out of church, and it's like I can't do that. It's like, you know, Christmas Day, okay, we won't do church on Christmas Day, but New Year's Day we want to do something. But that then means, well, what do we do for, we're going to have people come to church on New Year's Eve, go to bed about three in the morning and then back up back for church for 10.30. Is that going to work? Will anyone be there? Uh, That's not going to work, is it? So we decided that we would have uh, um, we didn't really know what to do. And then Laura came up with this bright idea. She volunteered our home. Uh, so she tells the church. And she swept us along in her enthusiasm. It was kind of, we got all carried away. And uh, Cheryl comes along and says, Laura's had this amazing idea. We just invite the church to our house. And I go, what, what an amazing idea. Until the 31st of December when I realized tonight we've got 70, maybe 80 people turning up. Where are they going to go? I don't know. I was sort of beginning to have this panic. It's sort of like everyone was walking around like this with their cheese squares and their sort of... Maybe if I feed you, because I can't feed myself. And And then... and so in my mind, I was trying to work. The thing was, we'd had the uh, YA over to us, that's the young adults, they'd come over in the middle of December for the Christmas party, and we'd, we'd fed the young adults. Now, that was about how many? 35? I think it was about 35. Um, on, and uh, <laughs> it was 35 people, and um, we, we were full, right? So the house was full on 35. We've got 70. And Cheryl's going, oh, it might be 80. I don't know. 70 confirmed. And uh, so we were like, oh, 35. Where do, where'd you fit another 35? <laughs> Where did they go? And here's the thing, right? we was just looking at the house, thinking, what do we do? And this bright idea um, before, the, before everyone came was just, oh, I just moved the sofa. We had two sofas in a kind of an L shape put one against one wall, one against the other. It means everyone can move through. We've got 70 people in the house. We could have fitted another another 20 people and still would have been room. And extra, yeah, next year, next year. It's at Laura's house. And, uh, <laughs> and the thing was, I I couldn't work out how it was. And suddenly, this mind, it's like you just get this shift. Everything changes. And And I really want you to understand that God wants you to know that he can do things in your life that you can't see. Yeah. It says in 1 Corinthians and chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and verse 9, it says this, But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us, by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, when Isaiah spoke about the broken and the barren, he told them to sing, saying, you will have more children than those who are already married. So he's talking about those who are broken, who are alone who are widowed who are you talking about broken people and it's like oh you're just going to have a big family life you you're going to explode with with children there's going to be a prosperity of your life doesn't make any sense it doesn't add up you can't compute how that works you will have you who have not labored will have more children yeah how does that work how does that work but God is speaking into a situation and he's going, eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man. In other words, God has a way of working these through things through and he works it through in a way that we can't work it out. And he says here in 1 Corinthians um, 2 verse 12, it says, Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. And we know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Here's the thing for your life is to know the things which have freely been given to us by God. To know the things that are freely being given freely. Everyone say freely. The things God has given us are free, right? He's freely given them to us. They have, they come without price. The Bible says, if you read um, Isaiah 55, it says, come and buy um, milk and wine without money, without price. He freely gives to us those things which we cannot get of ourselves. But the mind wants to work out how. How does this work? You see, because we spend our life limited by a lid which is constrained, which constrains us, and the lid is your current situation. It's the reality of your personal life right now, right? What is the reality of your life right now? About two or three years before, Cheryl and I were called to ministry. I was 100 grand in debt. I was twenty. Four years of age and a hundred thousand in debt, right? That's quite a lot for 24. Joe's 24. <laughs> how would you like a debt of a hundred grand, Joe? There <laughs> you A hundred grand in debt, 24 years of age. God, I want to go into ministry. How does that work, right? You can't take your debt with you. But here's the thing, right? I couldn't work out, I couldn't work out how. These things were going to work out. And when you look at the reality of your life, when you look at the circumstances of your life, what you discover is that you begin to start with the hundred grand debt and you look at that and you you start from that point. That's my problem. I start there. But God doesn't start from your problem. He starts from your promise. He starts from your promise. He doesn't. Your problem is not his problem. Your problem, your assessment, that's the situation of the world. You may have assessed your, world, your life and your chances in life correctly based on worldly wisdom. You may have added it all up and go, I don't think I can do much here. I don't think this is going to work out for me. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know which way this is going to go. This isn't going to work out for me. Because you've calculated it according to the world's way. But the Bible says we haven't received the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world says less, not more. The spirit of the world says you can't, but God says you can. The Bible says that he is the God of yes and amen. So be it. He's the yes and amen in your life. He wants to lift the lid of your restriction. He wants you to understand that he can do more in your life. When Cheryl and I came to Scotland, um, we we rented a house that we couldn't afford to rent. We rented a, 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 a three-bedroom detached house we were living in a two-bedroom semi-detached bungalow which we owned but we sold it in the south of England to move up here and we couldn't afford to buy when we got up here because I didn't have a job and the house prices were much more because it was Aberdeen and it's an uh, oil city and we just lived in a little small market town and, and I wanted, I just, I just believed God for a bigger house for a family so that when we had guests etc. So we had a three-bedroom, we, we rented a three-bedroom detached house. Now the rent was £600 a month, and my mortgage had been 400 and I'd struggled to pay the mortgage before we moved up here with a job. Now I didn't have a job. i got a rent of £600 a month. You can, imagine, you can do the maths now, can't you? You can work out the, the difficulty I'm about to fall into. And so we struggled for four years to rent a house at £600 a month. But in my heart, there was a song we used to sing, and I know I've told you this many times. There was a song we used to sing in the early days of the church, and the song went like this. It went, I can't remember, but there was only one line. One line was, my house is paid for. Right? That was the song we used to We used to sing it all the time. My house is paid for. And I used to sing, my house is, I used to sing, my house is paid for. Well, my house wasn't paid for. It wasn't even my house. <laughs> It was, But something in my spirit was saying, my house is paid for. The same way you read that scripture and say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered the heart of man. And so you begin to understand that God has got a plan that's greater than your plan. Well, here's the thing. We ended up paying cash for the house through an amazing, miraculous set of circumstances. The house got paid for cash when we were struggling to pay the rent. Now what happens? I didn't see it happening until it happened. I didn't know it was going to happen until it happened. You've got to understand God has got better plans, bigger plans than you can possibly imagine. You've got to stop assessing your circumstances and your situations according to what you see in front of you with your worldly wisdom. It doesn't matter how clever you think you are, you're wrong. And you're wrong because you've assessed it by your mind when God wants to do something greater. And you know God wants to do something greater in your life. He is far more magnificent than you could possibly imagine. Now listen to this. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 27, it says this. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. The base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written he who glories let him glory in the Lord. Now, I want you to see this. God takes the broken. He takes the brokenness of you. And he makes something magnificent out of it. He doesn't want the magnificent of you. For him, it's not magnificent. He wants the you that is broken. Here's the thing. God didn't break you. God didn't break you. You People say, oh, God, he opposes. He says he opposes the proud, right? That means he doesn't bless them. Pride breaks the proud. See, God didn't break you. God didn't mess you up. He didn't have a plan to mess you up and break you and make you better again, right? He doesn't break people. He heals people. But God doesn't, Want you to say you did it because it's not man's way, it's his way. So, for us to live, we've got to die, for us to rise up, we've got to lay down, for us to be rich, we've got to give and be poor. You understand. You, there is a, when I sow a seed, I, I reap a harvest. It's, it's what is poured out. It's not who you are. It's not who you You don't have to be. Some. And so God is speaking. He's saying we compare spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 12 verse 2 says, These things we also speak not in words with man's wisdom, teachers, but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now this is where faith works. What is what are spiritual things compared with spiritual? How do we how do we equate? When you take man's wisdom, you equate. Man's wisdom says this you've got a hundred grand debt. You want to buy a house? You can't. End of story. Go away. Just go away. Can't buy it. God's wisdom is this. You're broken. But I said you're rich. You can have the house. Now, where is the spiritual in that? The spiritual is what God says about your brokenness. All right? If if you are broken and God says to you, your brokenness is your healing. It is the you see, when Jesus died on the cross, you've got, to, you've got to understand this. When Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't he wasn't in his greatest it wasn't his, his strongest moment, physically in the natural. We're talking natural here. It wasn't his strongest moment, right? I mean, he could barely walk. He was on an emotional wreck. He's sweating blood. Before he got to the cross, then he's beaten and falling, can't even carry the thing. He's an absolute wreck inside and outside, on the cross, right? Destroyed. In the physical, natural, in his heart, everything, even his heart will God, separated from God. We're talking absolute agony. Physically, spiritually, on every level, right? This is his weakest moment, not his strongest. His weakest moment. Jesus' weakest moment destroyed and busted and kicked the butt of the enemy's strongest moment. His weakest moment destroyed the enemy's strongest moment. We've got to understand. So that means even in your weakest moment, you have the spirit of Christ, right? When you are born again, you have the spirit of Jesus Christ. He comes, he lives in your life. You are touched by the spirit of God. That which raised the, um, Jesus from the, uh, from the dead, the Holy Spirit, now lives in you. You have the spirit of Jesus Christ. So in your weakest moment, in the pain and the agony of your human failing, it is the evidence... Of the enemy's ultimate failure in your life. Because if Christ in his weakest moment kicked the devil's butt. We will in our weakest moment stand up and prove that Jesus Christ is victorious in all things. No eye has seen what God can do in your life. You know we got to understand that there is a spirit of faith and life which comes from God even in any situation, any circumstance that you are in. It doesn't matter how broken you are and how broken you've been. It doesn't matter what man says about you and it doesn't matter what you've done. It matters that you bow the knee and confess his name and declare his goodness and receive his healing and redemption because we are now Comparing the spiritual things, not the natural. We're comparing the spiritual things with the spiritual. So my brokenness in Christ equals my redemption, which equals a a saving power flowing through my life. God has called us to believe and see a better plan. The broken. The broken see and measure their life by the plans that they have before them and go, I don't know if I can do that now. I mean, Joe uh, and uh, Andy, uh, my nephew, he's, he's up the back there. So they started going running. And uh, Andy's done a bit more running than Joe, I think. And... Um, <laughs> But they, they started running, and so we're having this discussion, how far can you run, right? And uh, I reckon I could um, run to the end of the lane. <laughs> it's about 150 yards. So I go, I don't reckon I could actually run that. And, but when I, when I mean run, I mean walk quickly. So, <laughs> so you see, there comes a point in your life where, I mean, I never could run that way. I was never a runner and uh, you put me in water and i turn into a fish but but i can i just can't run right and it's like you so you make an assessment if if life success in life is based on running i'm doomed right <laughs> i'm a dead man with no hope right so so that's your natural assessment right but in Christ I can do all things. Or I can do things which I didn't know that I can because I can't do those things, but God can do whatever He needs me to do. Yeah. Yeah, now right. He doesn't need me to run. He's not He's not gonna I mean I could regret these words now, couldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean I've always thought that people who do marathons are weird. So <laughs> Okay, there's something wrong with their head. You know, it's just—it's just wrong. Robin, it's wrong. It's like you need therapy. And uh, so, but it's like God needs you to see that your weakness is His opportunity to do the magnificent and the impossible. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.